Today I'm going to be sharing on, on, on what it looks like to, to have apostolic transition in our mindsets and what that looks like is, is some radical mind shifts to what it looks like to what we currently might believe what is church and what it is. And uh, so we, we need to transition from a church mindset which means I'm coming somewhere, I get served and I go away and nothing changes in my life but I can, you know what, I, I tagged it, I can tick it off. That week I went to church and it was amazing so maybe I'm going to be okay with God. It's, it's, the sons and daughters of God just don't think like that. We, we think with an apostolic mindset and I'll explain what that is but that is where we shape culture. We change things because of who we are. Because of who we are and because of where we come from, where we exist. We are a dual reality. We are in heavenly places and we're here. So therefore, we need to re reproduce from where we come from. And that's heavenly spaces in your mindset, in your culture, in everything that you do. No longer is the requirement for us to talk about things, but the requirement is for us to do what we're talking about. And that's you and I. We're, we're, we're called to be an apostolic house. We're not called to be a church that simple, simply serves a neighborhood. We are here as an apostolic house to serve the city. And how do we serve the city? We want to affect you with the reality of what the kingdom looks like so you can go and affect your sphere of influence. You know, God's calling the one or two in the crowds. You know, in the kingdom... The majority he doesn't rule. God's looking for one or two people to say, yes, I'll do it, because you and the Holy Spirit then become the majority. So that this apostolic word is a Greek word which means sent out. I'm going to send you out. So the Romans adopted it, but they adopted it through fear. So they went to conquer city after city after city. And you, you watch all those movies, and I like them. The gladiators and the eagle and King Arthur where there's a little bit of sword fighting, a little bit of blood, a little bit of guts, but someone's winning. Someone's winning. So, and, and, and the reality is they're always fighting against the Romans because they used to conquer through fear. They used to conquer through fear. But when Jesus, he takes his learners uh, to become leaders, he says, we're going to do it differently. We're going to do it through love. But what they used to do, they used to have a problem, the Romans, because they used to conquer, conquer, conquer. But they go back to the first city that they conquered. But people are still living like they used to. They weren't culturalized into Roman way of thinking or living. You know, you, you know the statement, uh, you go to Rome, you do as the Romans do. That's because they went and culturalized a the place. They conquered and then they culturalized. They established a culture. So what they used to do, they found a solution to that. They sent the general in. They sent the centurions in. And they sent them with teachers and educators and politicians and uh, philosophers and, and uh, artists and architects and engineers. Why? Because they wanted to shape culture the Roman way. They wanted to shape everybody's thinking a certain way, but they did it through fear. So Jesus, he takes these 12 guys, some fishermen, some tax collectors, some guys who thought they were nobody, and they were learning with him, they were learning with him, were learning with him. He's just about to go, and he says, listen, guys, I'm taking you from learnership into leadership, and I'm going to call you apostles. Because in that day, everybody understood what an apostle needs to do, and what an, uh, someone with an apostolic nature was there to do. They were there to come and establish culture. They were there to come and establish heaven's reality, which is really the only reality that we should exist in. But we've adopted so many world systems. We've ad ad adapted so many types and shadows that are not of the kingdom, even within the church. 
and we're becoming less effective. So that's why we're saying, God, come like a blanket upon the church to revive the church again to our original mandate of a making things beautiful again like his greatest intention in the beginning, in the garden. Original design. We've got original design inside of us. So Jesus, he takes these guys and he's like, I'm going to call you this. And yes, you are going to conquer. You know what you're going to conquer? And in 1 John 3, it says, Jesus came to undo the works of the enemy. And he, came, he wants us to do that. Mindsets. He wants us to make wrong things right. Establish the kingdom. And he left us with an apostolic prayer. And what's that apostolic, uh, apostolic prayer? When we gather together, we go, our Father, who art in heaven. Holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It wasn't a good old South African prayer that we used to have in school. No, it's the very intention of the heart of God because he has the blueprint. He has the design and then the desire, an intrinsic desire for humanity to come into his home because where his home is, you flourish. We're creating right now ecosystems in our own life. An ecosystem is where something grows. What are we allowing to grow within our own lives? It's either something from the system of the world or it's the kingdom. And the kingdom we get to know when we get to know the Father's heart and where he dwells. So the question is right now, where are you seated? Where you seated? Yes, here on Sunday, right here. here. But where are you seated in your mindset? You see, because he wants to shift our mindsets because he wants to, if he can shift your mindset, he can get real estate in your own mindset. Because when you get kingdom real estate here, you start to advance that all around you. And he doesn't want to leave anybody out. He wants us as a body to go together. So the reality, the goal for you and I is to bring heaven's culture wherever we go. And apostolic means this, to be sent to a place and reproduce in that place what you were sent from. Colossians. Let me read that quickly. Listen to Colossians 1. I'll read from verses 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That word knowledge is gnosko, growing in the experiential knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified. You say this, I'm qualified. I'm qualified, everyone, even if you don't feel it right now, you're qualified. Say, I'm qualified. To share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. See, if you don't believe you're qualified, you're not even going to step into the reality of wanting to share in inheritance. Inheritance has been given to you so you can partake of. But if you don't believe that you're worthy of it, you don't believe that you're qualified, you're not going to step into that reality. If you still have a law-based reality in your mindset, you're never going to get there because you're always going to try and 
perform in your own strength to, give, to get what God has already given in, gra- in, in Jesus, in grace. And then that very grace then enables you, it influences your heart to do the very thing that he's called you to do. For he has rescued us, listen, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So we have to know that kingdom if we want to reproduce what's there. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn among all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. He wants all things to be reconciled back to him. And he says you and I get to be partakers of that. You and I get to play. You and I get to, don't have to, you and I get to undo the works of the enemy in mindsets, in shifts. In us stepping out and taking risk. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. It's a different kingdom, it's a different way of thinking, it's a different world system. But I, I know these days there's a lot of titles over this word called apostle and apostolic and everybody wants to do it. You see, the major defining reality around that definition is this, I change culture. You can have 50 churches planted in the city, but if those churches are not influencing the city in an impactful way, it's, they are just cool churches. And gathering people and the mandate might to gather, but we want to gather, equip, and send. We don't know we want to gather. We don't know we want to grow big. We want to grow big people that can influence the city in an impactful way. So that every part of who we are and our family and our resources not only enriches us, which he says, I want to make you prosper that it can benefit you as an individual but it benefits those around you because we shift things we change things and we we're going to see what unbelievers have done who have believed that nothing is impossible just now it has to have nation transforming qualities and people that come from the church i've seen a lot of amazing people come to church but what about amazing people being birthed in the church and sent out we, we can't have phenomenal world changes come to church on a Sunday and then carry on with their way of thinking, thought process. In, let the kingdom be invested in your heart that you go, go out there and you can transform something. See, voting changed in, in, in South Africa in 1994. How, did the, how, how do we change laws? You see, laws get changed when core values have changed. And core values get changed when our mindset changes. See, Nelson Mandela, he didn't enable that the Lord didn't just change. It was here, fighting for it many, many years previously. And he had this mindset, is every man is important, every man needs to have the same opportunity. 
So he has that in his mindset. He, he has that as the way he lives. It becomes a core value to him. Those people around him, whatever their motive, they gather around him and it becomes their core value for how we want to live. And we want to fight for that cause. Therefore, and after that, through that struggle, a law gets changed. And that law will never get reversed. Whether some of us have still got issues in our heart with that, it's not getting reversed. Get over it. Build the bridge now. Walk over it. We are there. Where all men have the same opportunity because that is heaven's mandate. He can take a man who sees the value of humanity because that is Jesus' mindset, the intrinsic value of humanity. And I want to outwork this for everybody, not just a select few. So he takes it and he, he makes South Africa a better place for all people. You see, that was his core value. Now, if we stick with those core values, things progressively change for the good for everybody. But those who adopt different core values around self-centeredness then build towards themselves. He never built towards himself. He built away from himself. Laws follow core values. Core values come from mindsets. But who's controlling the mindsets? Kingdom men and women releasing kingdom mindsets in heaven atmosphere or the prince of the power of the air? Who do we choose to listen to? Where do we get our mindsets shifted from? For abortion to be stopped, mindsets must change. Mindsets must change people's core values. When core values change, law changes. Here's the reality. Until people, abortion's never going to stop until we have a mindset that returns to maternal instinct. Otherwise, we'd never ever see change. Never see change. We don't want change. Titch and Joan could have sat there and said, oh, listen, let the, let the children have no future. No. It was in their mindset to change something. It became the core value of how they live. Guess what? They did something. The difference between people who do something and those who don't do something is those who do something do something. It's profound. Maybe we just talk a whole bunch. Now, guess what, guys? This word was for me first, okay? And it came at 10 o'clock uh, last night. Because I was going to preach something. But I would have preached it a little, a little bit angry. So the Lord says, no, don't do that. I'm going to preach from the book of Jude. You're lucky. <laughs> How serious I was. You see, here's the reality. Right now in first world countries, transgender bills are being released into different places where you now, if the law gets passed, you, I can't call George a guy. I mean, there's just a whole lot of guy there. What am I supposed to call him? There's just a whole bunch of meat there. There's all man there. Yeah, but here's the reality. Some people have that in their mindset through a, a liberal reality that becomes, it's become people's core values. Now it's because my core value matters so much. We gather so many people, we shift the law. No, no, it's the believers that should be shifting the law. Yeah, I must subject myself something to a law of the land that somebody who is offended 
because of Christianity and because of doctrinal stature and what Christ has come to do, then I must live under something? No, I do fight against that. But we don't do it through fear, we do it through love. And we do it through our convictions. We do it through, if you don't have convictions, it means you don't have core values. So Jesus said this, I'm gonna build my church, but I want you to extend my kingdom. And here's the reality about church and an apostolic mindset versus a church mindset is, is if we've got a church mindset, then it's all about gathering. But how's this research? Cities in the US with the greatest church going population have some of the worst social statistics. Crime grows, divorce grows, and abortion grows. The big idea is this, gathering people and transform cities are not synonymous. Bottoms on seats don't transform neighborhoods. There's a, a book called The Tipping Point. And uh, in this book, they told a story about a woman who was, crime was involved around a woman. She was getting hurt. I, th I think she was actually murdered. And it was in broad daylight, and there were 38 people who watched it happen. And 38 people did nothing about it. So they wanted to do research on why would that happen in broad daylight, someone is getting hurt. A crime is taking place, but 38 people who are all witnessing it are doing nothing. Research came back and all, the pe all of the people said this, oh, I thought somebody else was gonna do something. I thought someone else was gonna do something, so I did nothing. See, crowds don't change things, people do. Have you seen that movie, Hacksaw Ridge? Man, I like all those movies. It's just so inspiring. Where someone with a conviction goes and does something. The King of Kings is looking for someone in the crowd. Titch and Joan Smith live. Tons, she, she's wanting, she's got the, the uh, I'll talk about my beautiful wife. She's got a heart to see prayer being birthed in the nation. She doesn't see, she doesn't start something, a, a prayer meeting, because she thinks it's a good idea to pray. She's got a, a mindset to birth a prayer for the nation. So she collaborates around other people so she can see something being fulfilled and often gets despondent about, man, Jesus, the rich people just don't like to pray. And I'm like, hey babe, if, if it's birthed in you, you and Jesus become the majority. See, we're not seeing the kingdom as it is because we see it as we are. And often our identity, our worth, our qualification, who we think we are, not worthy, not good enough, still dwelling in our past, we're like, okay, the kingdom is as I am, so therefore nothing's gonna happen. Transformation isn't happening in our church, in our city, because everybody's waiting for somebody else to do something. Come on, God. We've got the standard joke now at the church. Just, let's just move a palm tree. Because when I came here, the first thing that we moved, I was like, George, that palm tree needs to go. Let's do something every month. We need to change. We need to shift. Because it shifts a mindset. Back in the day, if you were moving from a religious denominational mindset, the, the truth was, move the organ five mils a week. <laughs> and eventually it's out the door and no one's noticed that it's gone. <laughs> You've noticed the windows are gone. But there's no turning back.
So friends, to have limited, powerless, and finite thinking is not possible for you and I. And this was my challenge in preparation. I felt the Father say, you've got the creator of the universe inside of you, the mind of Christ thinking through you, the spirit of God influencing the world around you. You don't have the nerve to, to think small. So I propose this to all of us. We do not have permission to live with limited mind space. Elon Musk, let me read this thing to you. South African boy, one of the top billionaires in the world. Elon Musk sat on the LA freeway in bumper to bumper traffic, frustrated by this enormous waste of time. As he pondered his situation, he began to dream of ways to solve the transportation dilemma that plagued Southern Californians seemingly forever. He began to envision a maze of hyperloop tunnels bored at various levels underneath the city of Los Angeles connecting people to their ultimate destination. A few years later, sitting in traffic going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and make a plan. It's gonna benefit me and it's gonna benefit those around me. A few years later, through much red tape, near miraculous inventions, and the estimated cost of billions of dollars, Musk is now boring his first tunnel underneath his SpaceX parking lot. If successful, it will become the true superhighway that will literally put our cars on roller skate, on a roller skate and thrust you through the Earth's surface at 120 miles per hour. Crazy, you say? Well, this is one of Musk's more insignificant endeavors. Oh yes, this guy wants to colonize Mars. The planet Mars. Humanity as a multi-planetary species by the year 2040. He's an unbeliever. Daydreamer, you say, well maybe. But he has already invented and built the most powerful rocket ever created in the history of the world and, by the way, the rocket is reusable. Elon Musk is rich, but he doesn't think big because he's rich. He got rich because he thinks big. He doesn't believe in God, but it doesn't stop at impossibilities. What about you and I with an unfair advantage of being the sons and daughters of God seated in heavenly places? We have to get over our, our, our I'm not good enough mentality. Friends, this is a new covenant. You've been brought in, you've been transformed transferred you've been changed born again believers and this was a rich wake up you can take that on if you want I won't say it to you but it was for me rich wake up man so let's consider some distinct advantages of born again believers seven quick points Number one, with the temple of the Holy Spirit, and consequently, the God who envisioned everything and spoke the worlds into existence lives inside of you and I. See that in 1 Corinthians 6:19. Number two, we have access to the gift of wisdom, which is one of the nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in the book of 1 Corinthians. You must think of it this way, it's, it's Solomon's wisdom on steroids that you get. 
Number three, get this, we have the mind of Christ, which means that we can think like God. You and I, right here, are God's divine think tank. It's beautiful. Old Testament prophet, he said this, who has known the mind of the Lord? And Paul put up his hand and he said, I do. We have the mind of Christ. It's our X factor, it's our secret weapon. But friend, to activate heavenly advantage, we must lose the compliant religious rule keeper black and white mindset so you can journey into the world of mystery, miracles and divine intervention. We've become so predictable, rich, you become so predictable, boring, ritualistic, and uninspired. Mm. You can adopt it if you want. Because here's the reality. Our founder is a radical, forethinking activist who in three short years altered the course of human history. Jesus transformed the way the world viewed God, money, nature, religion, health, and kingdom life. Three years, 12 men, and you and I are a product sitting here because the influence of those 12 men has slipped through and it touched our lives. Are we going to leave it for this generation or are we going to start to build for legacy? If you want significance, build for something for yourself. If you want to leave a legacy, build for the next five generations. I said it. Our, our mindset is if, if Mitchie, who's three now, is, is meant to lead this church, what are we going to leave him? So everything that we do here, it's not for the sake of growth and it's all pretty. It's for legacy. What are we going to leave the youth? And yes, we want to take everything that we buy and we want to take it through. But actually, maybe we should just leave it here for the next generation. So give me two then. Give me two more. You see, because I think if we start to think like that, then it's easy for us to part because we're not thinking about me, myself, and I. We're thinking about a future generation. Why not think about five generations ahead? Sometimes you need environments so people can come into those spaces so they can get changed and transformed so they can go and change and transform the world around them. That's an apostolic mindset. It's not just a word. It's not a title. That's our mandate. So guess what? Shifts are going to take place. Transformation is going to take place. Change. And guys, if we see change as pain, you don't want to do it. But change is fruitfulness. Number four, we are new creation, born again into the kingdom of God. The word new means prototype. So guess what? Something never before created. That's you. Something never before created with all of that creative download from God into your uniqueness. Why? So you can establish culture. You can establish something from your father. Number five, we have been endowed with the manifold wisdom of God. You know what that word says? That word means multicolored or multidimensional. Multidimensional. I'm like, Rich, can you get out of blue only? In my mindsets, you see, this, I'm stuck with some mindsets, and, and, and I, 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 that's because I went to pray. And yes, some of my vulnerabilities, it's like a month ago or two months ago, I'm like, God, I feel like I'm plateauing. What is going on? I want to stop. 
want to keep growing. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want it to be a theology. I want it to be a theophany, which means the experiential outworking of what I believe. Manifold, multicolored, multidimensional. So challenging things, then guess what? When we get locked in, we go, okay, thank you for the manifold wisdom of God. Ideas for your business. Ideas for your household, your children the city, the people around you. As I said, we see the number six, we see it in heavenly places. Here's the, the reality. Jesus said to, to John, the apostle in Revelation 4, he said, hey, come up here. Come up here. You see, that's where we are. That's where we exist from. So we should consistently be going there. But we, we find ourselves not connected so we don't want to go. And we, we, we feel that it's, it's like such a performance trip to get reconnected. No, <laughs> the connector connected you. He built a bridge so you can come. It's not about your feelings. They often lie. They're always lying. If they're not in line with what, the, what Jesus has done in redemption. But what happens if you and I were living in, in 1850? What would it look like, you and I, in 1850? He says, come up here. And we come up, and he shows us 2018. Would we be completely blown away? Televisions, cars, airplanes, computers, technology. What would that do to your mindset if you saw that in 1850? Or what happens in the medical field at 1810? Come up here, I want to show you something about the eradication of disease, the mindset and why well, science is so important, why well, medical science is so important, and why what you do is so important because you get to suck the very resources out of heaven to produce change and transformation, new inventions, creations. You would see this, you would see polio, smallpox, tuberculosis, leprosy, just to name a few, that plague that generation completely eradicated in the future. What about AIDS? What about cancer? And does it have to be a medical scientist? Could it be you in prayer asking God for the eradication of cancer because it's going to benefit humanity? Is it all oh, God's just going to benefit the church? No, it's going to benefit humanity. And because it came through you, you give the glory back to Him, and no one has an excuse. Number seven, friendship with God is another game changer. Jesus puts it like this in John 15. I no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing. Father, get rid us of a slave mentality. But I've called you friends for all things I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And then Jesus says, the Spirit of God is going to remind you all things that I've said. It's going to testify. When we transition from slavery to friendship with God, we are suddenly introduced to the realm of revelation that Jesus walked in. Church. Church body, called out ones, new creation. In this world, but not of it. Bring heaven's culture into this world. And because you live in it, the world becomes a better place and benefits from you. 
living. We don't do this in fear, we do this in love. What took armies to conquer nations took 12 men. Is rippling through the nations. Christianity at this present moment is topping every other so-called religion in the world right now. That is something to so celebrate. We're winning. Doesn't look like it, I know. But if we look at this in the natural, we're always going to have a lose mentality. But if we look at it from his perspective and saying, God, what does it look like in five years? What does it look like in 10 years? And start putting those things in place. Start speaking those declarations now because you're calling those things which are not as if they are. And Paul, he said this. People were struggling with strife and they were arguing and there was jealousy and there was gossip and he said, you're acting like mere men because that's not who we are. We are the most creative, inventive, ingenious, imaginative, inspired, brilliant, resourceful, innovative, advanced ideas should be flowing from the sons and daughters of God. Don't act like mere men. It's not who you are. It's not who we're called to. We want to call the rest of humanity into that space because imagine, can you imagine with me right now, the world-changing possibilities of those who are in the kingdom of darkness, who are gifted to shape a nation. Imagine bringing them in. Billy Graham, one encounter with one person. So, a nation, a pastor to presidents. Friends, we're alive in the spirit, sons and daughters of God, of this universe, endowed with wisdom, commissioned with power, and given authority to make a profound difference in this world. So own your inheritance. It's yours. Don't give it away. Don't let laws be set. Don't be bulls. The prayers need to pray. The givers need to give. The servers need to serve. The teachers need to teach. The prophets need to prophesy. Worshippers need to worship. And that's all of us. When it gets tough, remember this. You've got an advantage. Believe it and then act on it. Let's stand together.